0: And from Psalm 48, I want us to focus upon God's holy city. God's holy city. Psalm 48, a song and psalm for the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go round about her, tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. In these 14 verses, you'll notice that we find the author of this psalm mentioning the city of God, four times, and Zion, or Mount Zion, which is synonymous with the city of God, mentioned three times. In verse 1, verse 2, and verse 8, we find the psalmist calling attention to the city of God, the city of the great king, and the city of the Lord. And in verse 2, verse 11, and verse 12, we find the psalmist alluding to Mount Zion, or Zion. And by way of affirming that Zion is synonymous with the city of God in our Bibles, I want you to turn over to Psalm 87 and take notice of what is said in verse 2 and 3. Psalm 87, verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, Psalm 87, verse 2, The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. So what is this city of God referred to in Psalm 87 and Psalm 48 that God loves? Where is Mount Zion located? Well, the answer is the city of God is Jerusalem, and it is this place that The entirety of Psalm 48 revolves around. It is Jerusalem that is the focus of the psalmist's praise toward God. Now by way of reading and benefiting from the words of this psalm, as I believe God intended it to be read and benefited from by all believers throughout all time, I want us to think about what is said, not only in its historical context, but also through its prophetic gospel context or reference. And reading it first in its historical context, we find that the city that is mentioned throughout this psalm is obviously the literal, physical city of Jerusalem that was located in literal, physical Israel. Now to properly understand why Jerusalem was highly regarded in the hearts of God's people in years past, it is important to call to mind that Jerusalem was the heart of of the nation of Israel. Under the leadership of David, Jerusalem became the capital city of Israel. And in this capital city, we know that it was the place where God's appointed king would reign. And then, under the leadership of Solomon, Jerusalem became the place where the temple was built. It was in Jerusalem where the temple was built, which became the epicenter for worshiping God. It was in Jerusalem where God's priests would offer holy sacrifices unto the Lord, not only out of obedience to God, but also in expectation of the Messiah that was promised that would come as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. So as it relates to historical Jerusalem, Jerusalem before Christ, Jerusalem under the old covenant, Jerusalem, or Mount Zion as it is referred to, was universally beloved and admired by God's people, and rightly so. So the psalmist says, verse 1, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. And then in verse 2, beautiful for situation." The joy of the whole earth, and Jerusalem was at that time the joy of the whole earth. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. The city of the great king referring, yes, to God who established the city, but then God's king who was God's messenger, God's ruler in a biblical sense. So, in a literal meaning, the historical city of Jerusalem is being spoken of throughout this psalm. Yet, in a prophetical sense, I want you to see that what is said in this psalm refers not only to physical Jerusalem, literal Jerusalem, but what I want you to see, what is being said, refers to the spiritual Jerusalem. And this is point number two spiritual Jerusalem. You say, What is spiritual Jerusalem? Well, keep your place here in Psalm 48 and turn over to Galatians chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 12. Galatians chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter number 12. And in Galatians chapter 4, we have the Apostle Paul preaching gospel truths through allegory and comparisons. Galatians chapter 4, verses 22-22. Through 26. The Bible says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But, on the contrary, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Did you catch the gospel truth being highlighted by the Apostle Paul? the truth being emphasized is the covenant that is associated with Mount Sinai, which is associated with Hagar, which brings bondage, corresponds to earthly Jerusalem or religious Judaism, the keeping of the law. While the other covenant is associated to heavenly Jerusalem. So Paul is contrasting between Christianity and Judaism. He's contrasting in this book of Galatians. Remember, the Galatian believers were being pulled by the Judaizers. You have to obey the law of Moses to be saved. You have to be circumcised to go to heaven. So the Apostle Paul comes in through this letter saying, true Christianity comes not from earth, not from earthly, physical Jerusalem, but from heavenly Jerusalem, spiritual Jerusalem. And the essence of Paul's words is this. Those who believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, whether they be Jew or Gentile, are spiritual citizens of New Jerusalem. Every spiritual birth under the new covenant is a miracle like the miracle of the promised son given to Abraham. Do you get the picture? Remember, Abraham was given a promise by God that he would have a son in his old age. And through that son, the nation would be established. But Abraham became impatient and went to Hagar. So Paul is alluding here in this text that Hagar is not the promised son. The blessing does not come through that. Hagar is a picture of doing things man's way. Hagar is a picture of that which is earthly. But the promise has come through Isaac. Isaac is the miracle that God has given. And so Christ and the gospel, the blessing of the Spirit and the new birth, is that which we need to be citizens of the celestial city. Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we find the author of Hebrews saying the same thing that Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 18, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness, darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated, that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Ye are not come unto that mountain which is physical. Verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Are they there yet? Physically speaking, no. No. But spiritually speaking, yes. In Christ, through the gospel, the author of Hebrews says, Ye are come unto Mount Sion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Did you catch what is said in verse 22? Did you see the comparison between the old and the new? Between earthly Mount Sinai and the heavenly Mount Zion? The author of Hebrews says, All who have come to faith in Jesus Christ have come to... Mount Zion, which is the city of the living God. You see, Paul and Galatians and the author of Hebrews are using common biblical practices of expressing truth through symbolic language. And the truth that is being set before us in these two texts, by way of types, by way of pictures, is the truth that all who belong to the beloved, whether they be Jew or Gentile, whether they be in the nation of Israel, or whether they be in the pagan Gentile world, are citizens of a spiritual city. And then Paul alludes to this in Philippians chapter three, verse twenty, when he declares to the church in Philippi that the believer's citizenship now is in heaven, from whence they look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when. God, in His grace, called you to salvation. You were adopted, and you became heirs and joint heirs of the King and of the Prince of Peace. And so you are now a citizen, a servant, a child of the celestial city. So going back to Psalm 48. How can believers living in the United States in 2023 relate to what is said in Psalm 48? I mean, we don't live in national Israel. As far as I know, none of you are blood Jews. The physical city of Jerusalem is no longer the singular place of worship. There's no temple where sacrifices are being made. So what cause is there for us tonight to rejoice in God as it concerns this holy city that the psalmist is referring to throughout the psalm? Here it is. Don't miss it. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, that through His coming, by His death, burial, and resurrection, the worship of God is no longer bound to one place namely Jerusalem. But Jesus, being the Savior of all men, Jew and Gentile, now invites worshipers to worship Him wherever they are. The Samaritan woman, even in her sin and hypocrisy, was boasting to Jesus about, well, you see, our fathers worshiped on this mountain How holy and spiritual we are because our fathers have worshipped in a particular place. And Jesus cuts through such nonsense and says, those who will worship the Father will worship Him in spirit and in truth wherever they are. It's not according to the place. It's according to one's heart. So reading Psalm 48 in this context, we see that spiritual Jerusalem the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is beautiful, verse 2, because God is in the midst of her. Spiritual Jerusalem is a people that God uniquely loves, God provides for, and God protects. Just like Jerusalem of old. And though pagan kings of the earth hate God's spiritual city. Jesus promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in that sense, in a spiritual sense, we have a refuge in Jesus Christ. We are protected in the beloved. No no man can pluck us from his hand. No enemy can come against this city, this spiritual city, the family of God, and destroy it. We're safe in the Father's keeping. Do you see that? This is wonderful. This is a glorious gospel picture. Now, this is not to say that the church has replaced national Israel. This is not to say that God does not protect the physical nation that He has established a covenant with. But this is to say that the grace that has been bestowed upon the bride of Christ the holy nation and the holy city of God is something that God's people can rejoice in in any age, at any time. Some of you have never been to Jerusalem. Some of you have, never will go to Jerusalem, and that's fine. You don't need to if you're in Christ. In Christ, we worship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. In Christ, we worship the beloved, king over all the earth. So we can and should read this psalm with an eye towards God's goodness toward spiritual Jerusalem. And then third, as we continue to think about the meaning of this psalm, connecting biblical truth with biblical truth, can we not read this psalm with heavenly Jerusalem in mind? And by that I mean the new Jerusalem. So on the one hand, It is evident that the psalmist is speaking of the literal, historical Jerusalem that he could see with his eyes. Yet on the other hand, in a prophetical gospel sense, God is using him to speak of Christ. The sovereign king of spiritual Jerusalem who will reign over his people forever where? In the heavenly Jerusalem. So we come to read verse 1 again. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of His holiness. And we ask the question, where is such a place of holiness that God will be forever praised? Where is the refuge of all refuges that believers can take great delight in? Verse 3. What is this city of the Lord that God has established forever? It's the new Jerusalem. Listen to what the Apostle John says in Revelation chapter 3. So we've looked back in a real literal sense, seeing the meaning of Jerusalem and the praise for Jerusalem in the present, in this gospel age. We see there's application there, and now we're looking ahead to the future. And what's ahead of us? Well, our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, our names are written down in the book of life, being in Christ, but we're not there yet. So John says, Revelation 3, 11 and 12. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. And then Revelation 21, 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And What I'm hoping you will recognize in the consideration of all these verses is the wonderful truth that Psalm 48 is not just for the Jews of old, it's for us today. The God of Israel is our God. The God who loved Jerusalem of old loves us. And it's not our affiliation with a nation that saves us. It's our acceptance of Christ that saves us. That's what all these passages are highlighting. It's not about you being a Jew doing Jewish things. It's not about you keeping the law of Moses that you cannot keep. But Jesus Christ, being a Jew, Jesus Christ being the King of kings and Lord of lords, the advocate of the King of glory, has come so that we might go to that city. Yes? John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. The author of this city says, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, there's the future tense. God is reigning in that heavenly city. And there will be a new Jerusalem with a perfect place. King and His citizens, worshiping forever. And verse 14 assures us that this God, the God of this holy city, is our God, not for time alone, but for all of eternity. This God is our God forever and ever, and He will be our guide, even unto death. So the God who loves, protects, and provides for Jerusalem is the God who is our shepherd, who's leading us to the heavenly city, to that celestial city. Sometimes we get off track in this life. Sometimes we get our focus on this city as pilgrims. Yet verse 14 assures us that the king of the city is aware Of our failings comes alongside us and points us to that city once again so that we can walk in faith. I close with the familiar words of the father of English hymn writing, Isaac Watts. You're familiar with the song. Verse 1 Come ye that love the Lord and let your joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord, join in a song of sweet accord and thus surround the throne, and thus surround the throne. Verse 2, let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King shall speak their joys abroad, shall speak their joys abroad. Verse 3, the hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields. Or walk the golden streets. Or walk the golden streets. Verse 4. And let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. And how does the chorus go? We're marching to Zion. Beautiful beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. This is the believer's singular praise and aspiration. Right? The world is not our home. We're simply passing through. We're passing through longing for that place that has been prepared for us, that we often call Beulah Land. This is the holy celestial city. So we can praise God that through His grace, He's chosen us to be citizens of this eternal city. What did we do to deserve it? What did we do to earn His favor so that we might taste of this celestial city, in our sin. We deserve hell forever. Oh, but the great king has come. And this is the story of Christmas. He's come in his grace to seek after those sheep and lead them onward to that heavenly home.